Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to I'm going to be all over the place, but mainly in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, and we'll read that. Well, we got to let the countdown start, 29 days and counting, to one of the most important days in the short history of our our church. Uh, We're going to celebrate 10 years of God's great work in and through this place and through you, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, 10 years ago... We were having preview services uh, here, you know, as God provided us a place. And we had this little room. Here's a picture of it. So they had this little room, and it's like where Jack's back there in the corner. That was one, that was one corner. It was just this 30 by 30 room, and we packed it full of folding chairs. I mean, we had like 85 folding chairs in that room, if you think about, think about that. And so that was... Uh, that was exciting, you know, those, those preview services. We'd remodeled this, cleaned it up, painted it. You know, we spent uh, several months doing that as we got going as a church. And, uh, and then uh, that summer, that next summer, we, we expanded. And so we got another look at it. So we sort of took a wall out and changed it so we had the, the strong arm. So it's like we do now, you know, the, the flexing sanctuary, the L-shaped. Um, so again, packed more chairs in it. And, uh, and now we're here, uh, here we are today, seven years ago after stretching, you know, this direction. Um, so, you know, as I've been looking over some old pictures and looking at where we've been, realize we have been through a lot. We have. We've been through a lot. And so I'll tell you, it made me look forward to, to more. What, what, what's next for Living Streams? Well, the vision of our church is very simple. It's together, following Jesus, reaching the world. And those are three things that we hold dear. A community, discipleship, and mission. And they're three things that we feel like the Bible calls us to pursue in our life. Now, in 2013, we took that vision and we threw it against the Bible. And, you know, we wanted to see if it matched up, if it would stick. And to my delight... It did, thank goodness. So I, I continue to believe that there is not another place on the planet that you can invest your time, talent, and treasure that will make a bigger difference than your church. Because things that go on here are eternal things. And they make a difference beyond this life. They're bigger than us. And so I'm going to, without apology, get you, encourage you to dive in. Over the next three Sundays, we're going to take a look at stepping stones in the stream that we call Living Streams. And, you know, I was inspired of of, of all the hiking I got to do this summer, you know, so I got the stepping stones thing. And so that's not a picture I took, but that's that's what it is, right? So these steps, there's three of them, a step in, 
a step up and a step out. And you can take those steps on a daily basis to be an active part of growing the kingdom of God in us and through us. And today we're going to focus on the together step, stepping into the stream. Now, the together step sounds nice and friendly, uh, but it's actually probably the most difficult step for us to take as individuals and as a church. And it's because of where we live. Uh, because of the country that we live in. You know, this, this country runs on productivity and busyness. And we make to-do lists and shopping lists. And we pursue recognition and promotion. We are consumers. That's the water that we swim in. But see, church is putting people over productivity. And it, it puts congregation over being a consumer. And so we, we're in this culture that all of these things, they work against us to take, in taking this together step. And so what the pattern that we get into is that uh, we come to church to consume. And so we come, we like, it's like we bring a glass of, a glass and we come and we dip it in the stream and we take a drink when we're thirsty and then we leave and then we come back again when we're thirsty again. Which may be several weeks. And then if the water tastes bad over a few times, then we start looking for another place to drink. Or we just bail out of the stream altogether. So this together step, it, it, it requires the greatest change to the way we do life as we look at church from the Bible's perspective. Because it, it won't be, church won't be like the Bible calls us to unless we're able to take a step in to, to, to do this relational thing of connecting. So, I guess the question would be, well, how deep do I need to go in the stream? You know, how deep do I need to go? And I think that's a really good question. And I think that maybe you should answer it like this. Well, knowing God, knowing who He is and how good He is, and knowing that Jesus gave His life for me and how much He loves me, and knowing that time that I spend here and time that I spend serving Him in the world is going to potentially make an eternal difference in the world, in people's lives... How deep should I go? Ankle deep? Knee deep? Waist deep? Neck deep? Or should I be fully immersed in the activity of God in the world through His church? What's He deserve? Is that a fair question? I think it is. And it's on my heart to encourage you to take this step in. Wherever you're at, however deep you are, to take a step into the together experience of, of living streams. And I'm not going to do that with a good sales pitch because I don't have anything to, to sell you. I want to see you become a congregation. To be together. To, to taste something of what the Bible calls us to when it comes to community. So I'm just going to remind you of what the Bible says about the ecclesia and the experience of koinonia, the two words that are used for church and fellowship in the Bible. And then with the Holy Spirit leading you, you can take a look at how you're doing church and then make adjustments to make your life more in line with the way the Lord would want you to live it. So in Matthew, Matthew 16... Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds to that confession by saying, Peter, you're a rock, and on that rock-solid confession, I will build my church. 
And that word church he used was ecclesia, and that's used other places in the Bible. Uh, it, it means in the Bible an assembly, an assembly of God's people, a group of Christians gathered for worship. Uh, so simply put, an ecclesia is people getting together. And when we think about it as far as the church goes, it's people getting together because of God. And then you got the word koinonia, which is a really cool sounding word, isn't it? Can you say it? Koinonia. You know what's better than saying it? Experiencing it. <laughs> it's so much better. Koinonia is the word used for community or fellowship uh, in the Bible. And, it, and the definition of that includes people in relationship, people in partnership where they invest their lives and they share their lives together. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So that word fellowship there is that word koinonia. And John is basically saying, I'm sharing my life with God with you, what I've seen and heard and I witness, so that you too can share in that same fellowship, that same life, and not just John's life, but fellowship with the Father and with the Son. So we have to think about fellowship as more than social activities. You know, having fun together, getting, getting together. It is a spiritual experience that can happen as we take a together step in. So just from those two words, ecclesia and koinonia, you can kind of get the sense of that being a part of God's church is a together thing. It's a together thing. It's a together step in. Now, for most people, the first step in, in our country, is a step into worship. And that, that's been very true of many of us. We gather every Sunday morning to lift up the, the name of Jesus, to sing praises to his name, to dive into his word, to talk to him in prayer, and to remember him in the practice of the Lord's Supper. And so when the church does that all together, corporately, there's some things that we fulfill. There's three purposes, ministry to God, ministry to believers, and ministry to the world. So this is where we want to look at Acts chapter 2. Uh, verses 42 to 47. We're just going to read it together, okay? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." So there in, in Acts 2.46, the believers are attending the temple together every day. Every day they're doing that. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to prayer. Now we're not trying to duplicate that experience, but we are trying to learn from it that this is the, there's patterns and practices that the first believers were putting into place as the church was coming together that we can then apply and incorporate to our lives to help us know how to do church today. So if you look from the Old Testament days with Moses all the way back then to today, it has been an emphasis of 
of uh, God's people to get together all together, corporately, you know, to come together. You know, Christians around the world will risk their lives to be able to do this. And if you think about that for a second, I mean, how much do we risk to come here? And maybe that's why we can find ways, other things to do on Sundays so often. They risk their lives to come. Well, why? What's, what do we do here that is so important for our life with God? Well, there's four things. Praising, preaching, praying, and practicing. You know, when you're in Brazil, this, you know, these things like that don't make any sense at all. P, 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 you know. It's just how my mind works. And I have to remember, you know, Portuguese P's don't make any sense. <laughs> Praise and preach and pray and practice it. Psalm 96, verses 7 and 8. Ascribe to the Lord, O families, plural, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. It has been my experience that the more people who participate in ascribing glory to the Lord the greater experience of koinonia that we have. It's a corporate sense of community that we have when we come here and we lend our voice to the praises and glory that is due His name. And so the more people that do that, uh, the, the better experience it is. And now I realize you can worship in the privacy of your prayer closet or on your way to work in the car. You, you can worship in, your, in, in the intimacy of your small group. You can worship online, live somewhere because you can't be here. But I'm telling you, there is no substitute for coming to your own church family, to this building, being together, sharing your faith in praise to God. No substitute. Make it a priority to be here. And see, it's not, and it's not just about us. When we do this out in the open, you know, anybody can come in. Anybody can walk in from out there, and they may not share our faith. And when we are here, belting it out, singing like it's a, it's a pub and not a, not a church, you know, because we don't care how it sounds, we just want to lift the praise up to the Lord, that, that is a witness to people when they come here. And they go, whoa, those people believe what they're singing. And that fulfills part of our purpose. So that's the praising part. Really important. Then we do lots of preaching. You know, preaching goes in and out of style. It's out of style again today. Um, people will say, you know, well, what, what good does all this preaching do? You know, I've heard uh, thousands and thousands of sermons. What's, you know, has it made any difference in my life? Well, listen, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when you come under the preaching of God's Word, the authority of God's Word, Communicated through a personality, somebody who's spent time studying and praying and saying, God, what do I need to get across to these people? Something spiritual can happen. Something can happen in your heart. God changing your direction. God changing you. Because you come and sit under the preaching of God's Word. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he is one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. And he wrote this book called Preaching and Preachers. And this is, this is what he wrote. He said, any true definition of preaching must say then a man is there to deliver the message of God, a message of God to those particular people. If you prefer the language of Paul, he is an ambassador of Christ. That is what he is. He has been sent. He is a commissioned person. He is standing there as the mouthpiece of God and of Christ to address these people. In other words, he is not there merely to talk to them. He is not there to entertain them. He is there to do something to those people. 
He is there to produce results of various kinds. He is there to influence people. Preaching should make such a difference to a man who is listening that he is never the same again. In my life with God, that has been true. I come on a Sunday not expecting you know, anything to happen and God speaks to me about something in my life and then I'm going on a different direction or I'm making a change. So often, when we come and sit under the preaching of God's word, he's working on our hearts. There used to be a fellow that come to Living Streams and afterwards he'd go out and say, nice speech. <laughs> no, you're missing it. You're missing it. Romans 10:17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We preach because God uses it to call people to faith. We preach because God uses it to grow people in their faith. We preach because God uses it to send people for the faith. So we're going to preach. There's nothing like it. We're committed to it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Paul is exhorting Timothy, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So we're committed to preaching the Word when we get together because it's a big way that God works in our life and I promise you if you'll take if you'll take a step in on Sunday mornings and you'll be here most Sundays out of the year I promise you God will take you on a great adventure uh, you will not believe where you go and who you talk to and what you say it all starts coming here sitting under the word we also pray together Jesus said my father's house should be called a house of prayer Quoting from Isaiah, I think. House of prayer. You know, when we get together like this, pastors do most of the praying, or, or sometimes an elder will jump in there. But, you know, once a month, fourth, fourth Wednesday, I think, of most months, we have a praise and prayer meeting here. And it's called Circle Up. Circle up around the throne. We approach the throne of grace with confidence and we present our request to God. We seek, we're seeking His face together. That meeting is so important for the life and ministry of our church. You know, when people start showing up to that meeting, that's when I go, God's doing something. God, God is working. It's a place to come to learn how to pray. It's a place to come to learn how to pray together. It's a safe place. We're doing it a week from Wednesday, 7 o'clock. So, you know, get it on the calendar. Take a step in to the prayer service. Um, over time, it will change you, and it will change your church, and it will change your world. It's, it's a no-lose proposition. Finally, when we gather corporately, we practice the Lord's Supper, and we practice baptism. Uh, two things that um, help us to show people, show the world, that we're believers. Now, at Living Streams, we practice a believer's baptism, meaning that once you believe, then you are baptized. Because that's what Jesus told us to do. He becomes your Lord and Savior. He says this, so I'm going to do it. Now, uh, when, you, uh, when we do that here, we give you a chance to stand up and confess your faith in Christ, how you came to know Him. And then we'll immerse you in water. Now, we don't do the immersion. How we, how we practice baptism isn't all that important. We can just as well sprinkle you and, I believe, be right in our practice. Um, practicing baptism, it, to be right in that, has more to do with salvation and the gospel. 
Some will say that the waters of baptism is what washes away your sins, is what takes away your sins. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But if you look at the Bible as a whole, it says that the blood of Jesus washes away your sins. And that the waters of baptism is a symbol of that. And so the right practice of baptism has to do with that. Uh, The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is not of your own doing, is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So the act of baptism doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. It's just the way that Jesus told us to show the world that we're His, that we're saved. Then the the other practice that we do is the Lord's Supper, where we take one Sunday a month, usually the first Sunday, And we share in the Lord's Supper together. We do it because Jesus told us to do it. Um, Like baptism, um, it is symbolic for a way to show that we're starting our life with Him. The Lord's Supper is a way to show that we're continuing in our life with Him. Like there's nothing spiritually significant about the waters of baptism, there's nothing spiritually significant about the bread and the cup that we take uh, during the Lord's Supper. They're just symbols, and actually they're rooted in the Passover when the Jews celebrated the Passover every year, <clears throat> Jesus was celebrating the Passover when he had the Last Supper with his disciples. And he took two specific elements of that meal and he changed the meaning of them for his church. And so that's what we do. We practice the Lord's Supper to remember Jesus the way that he told us to do. And I, I, I really love the way we practice the Lord's Supper. You know, when we all come up here and and we uh, kneel at the altar, it's it's a special time of koinonia when we do that. And Jesus is present in a special way when we kneel together. So our corporate worship, it accomplishes the three purposes of the church. We lead people in ministry to God. We grow and feed the believer. And for those who are here that are not yet believers, we show them. That we're believers, that God is real and that God is here. And we pray that when they leave, they go out there and go, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. He does that through all of us getting together. We also need to take a step in to relationships. To relationships. The Bible gives us this very descriptive look at what the church is. Okay? So first of all, the church is a family. And the church is a family. We relate to God as our father and uh, we relate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so we're called to know each other like family. Now that may, might make you shudder a little bit because um, your families, our families are so messed up in the world. Most people, when they think of family, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good thing. So we, when we talk about the church being a family of God... Um, you know, it's, it's like, whoa, I'm not sure I want that. Um, but the thing is, the Bible calls us to get to the place with people in relationships in the church that can be uncomfortable, places that risk conflict, because we love each other differently than the world loves. And it's a way that we show um, that love to each other. So the church is a family. The church is also a body Um, 1 Corinthians 12 uh, is mentioned as a bride of Christ in Ephesians 5. Branches connected to a vine in John 15. An olive tree 
in Romans 11, a building in 1 Corinthians 3, a harvest in Matthew 13, uh, a new temple in 1 Peter chapter 2. What do all these things have in common? Connection. A relational connection. And the more we step into the relationships here, uh, the stronger our church will be. The stronger our life with God will be. And you know, I have found over 18 years of ministry that we stink at doing relationships. We stink. They used to call it, they used to say we're bowling alone. Now we're scrolling alone. You know? Social media has, has been like this place that we can run to where we can have fake relationships. It's not real. And it's an, it's a tool of the enemy. I'm telling you, and it's working against this together experience. Face to face, loving each other, let's get down and dirty, let's get hard. Come on, let's do this together. Yeah, social media, you don't have any of that. You know, you might get into a fight or something, but you know, you only do that once. (laughs) That was a rabbit trail, sorry. So the believers in Acts 2, they were invading each other's lives. They invaded each other's lives. Verse 44 said that all who believed were together and they had all things in common. What did they have in common? A common place, a common purpose, and common possessions. So to get there, to get to that place of having things in common, we want to go beyond this Sunday morning gathering and get into, step into something smaller. And, and small groups in our church provide an environment for us to live out the New Testament uh, in a greater way, to pursue koinonia more intimately. So those Acts 2 believers, they took care of one another. They were devoted to one another. And they were devoted to the teachings and to the fellowship. The common place they had was not just the temples, but it was also their homes. It was uh, Their common purpose was Jesus and making disciples. Their possessions became just a means to make sure everybody had what they needed. And the Bible goes on uh, to many places there in the New Testament talking about how believers are to love one another. In fact, the New Testament has over 50 commands, one another commands. 50 different ways to love each other in the New Testament. Now, as a whole, they tell us that we've got to do life together beyond Sunday morning To be able to pull that off. We've got to get personal with each other. We've got to be known and to know others. You know, you can take a step into a small group and not be known. You can still not let people in. You can stay on a, a social level. So it's a risk. But all of this evidence says we need to... To group together with some other believers. To be able to live the life of a disciple. This is not a me thing that we're doing. It's a we thing. It's a we thing. Church is a place where because we're family, connected like a body, that's living like a vine, when we step into it, when you step into it, when you step into that kind of church, you know this. Somebody's got your back. You don't have to do life alone. You don't have to worry about facing what's ahead of you alone. I want a church like that. You know, I think we have, we have a church like that. We are not alone. 
That's what happens when you take a together step into the stream. Somebody's got your back. The best way for you to do that is to show up. Show up on Sunday morning. Show up when we get together to eat. Show up when we go out and serve. Show up to your small group. Be a consistent participant. Because when you do that, what you're showing other people is you love them, you care about them, and you're investing yourself in them. And when you do that, people will do it back. That's what happens. And before you know it, you'll feel like you're part of the family and you can't live without it. It's what happens when you get in a group, a group that fits. And then once you get there, some amazing things can happen in that group. Loving one another, serving one another, submitting to one another, being at peace with each other, speaking the truth to one another, bearing one another's burdens, seeking the good of another, spurring one another on toward love and good deeds, being hospitable to one another, accepting one another, admonishing one another, forgiving one another, confess to one another. Now, I know some of that can happen outside of a group, but the best expression of those things will only happen when you're in a small group of people who know you and love you. They they know you the best and and they love you the best of anybody. That's where this New Testament thing comes alive. Pastor Eugene Peterson wrote, Love cannot exist in isolation, away from others. Grace cannot be received privately, cut off from others. Hope cannot develop in solitude, separated from community. No gift, no virtue can develop and remain healthy apart from the community of faith. So if your life with God doesn't have much life, consider you need to take a step in to the relationships in your church and invest yourself in them. And see what God does. It's my goal at Living Streams that nobody swims alone. I'm a good lifeguard. (laughs) Learn that. Nobody swims alone. It's because swimming alone is not how God ordained us to do life with Him. To do life as a disciple. This is a together thing. Now, every family starts with a structure. Uh, a typical family, a husband and wife are doing a relational dance with the husband's leading and the wife is following and together they're leading the family. Well, the church also has a structure that God has, has established to take care of the people who gather and we call them elders or shepherds or pastors, kind of all the same. Um, so that's a group of men that have feel the tug on their heart to care for you, to shepherd you. It is a high calling It is a big responsibility. God holds us accountable to know you and to love you, to pray for you and protect you, to heal you and provide for you. That's the the responsibility that gets laid on us by God when we step into that role as elders. And when you take this together step into the church, when you step into relationships, you also step into that relationship where you come under the elders, under their care. And you trust us. You trust us to take care of you. You trust us to be good stewards of the gifts you give to God through living streams. And you trust us to lead you like Jesus led with sacrificial, loving service. And it's, it's not that we're out there kind of doing it, you know, trying to make things happen. You can any time come to us. And tell us what's going on. Tell us a concern. We're open to that. that. That's what it should be about. 
If we weren't, if we were just this group over here kind of saying, let's go this way and not check in with you guys, then we're not leading the way God would want us to lead. And so it's, it's a group. We need your feedback. We, we need to hear from you. But it's part of the, it's the structure that God has given the church. And it's all part of this together experience. Did you know that you were created to have relationship? I know it's hard to imagine because we hurt each other. But you were created to have relationship. Remember back in the garden. What was the first thing that was not good? Adam was alone. It is not good that man should be alone. And think of when God said that. He said that when man had all of God he could handle. So this relational need is something even God cannot meet in our hearts. We need each other. Pastor John Ortberg said, There's no substitute that will fill this need in in you for human relationship. Not money, not achievement, not busyness, not books, not even God himself. He says, our need for community with people and the God who made us is to the human spirit what food and air and water are to the human body. So we want to take this step in. A step in to relationship. And I'll tell you, you can start right here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. we got a small group. We're wanting to make it a bigger group. When it gets to be a big group, we'll make two small groups. So if you don't have a group, just come Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. And if that doesn't work for you, you can talk to me about the other groups. You've got other groups too. But comes, take take a step in, start, don't wait. Okay, so those two steps, step into worship, step into relationships, are really steps that anybody can take if they just show up here on a consistent basis. You know, it's true that when we gather together, it's inevitable that we'll have believers and not yet believers with us. And, And that is okay. Somebody who doesn't believe can step into worship and step in to relationships here at Living Streams. And that's, I mean, that's what we want. We want this to be a place where it's okay to go, I'm not sure about all this. I don't really know about this Jesus guy. I don't know what it means to believe and trust in him. I need to learn more. I need to know more. And man, those are great questions that you want to be asking yourself and talking to us about. They're the most important questions of your life. And so it's, it's okay to be here and not be sure. But inevitably, pretty regularly, you're going to hear a call to take a step into Jesus. Stepping into Him. It's a step of trust and faith. A step of surrender and a step of dependence. It's a step from death to life. And without taking the step into Christ, without taking your step into Jesus, all we have to offer you is a religious life that's about being a good person and, you know, trying to do good. Next week, we're going to talk about following Jesus, taking a step up. And without stepping into Jesus first, what you're going to interpret that message as is, this is what I've got to do to be accepted. This is what I've got to do uh, to belong. This is what i got to do to be a good Christian. But all that will do 
is create this life of religious rules and regulations, and we know what that leads to. It doesn't lead to life. It leads to death, because that's what legalism does. So what does it mean to step into Jesus? Listen to these Bible verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So stepping into him means there's a new life. There's a new beginning in your life. Have you ever had that? Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So stepping into him means we're serving God by serving others with the good works he's giving us to do. It's a different kind of life. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So being in Christ means our sins are forgiven and they can no longer condemn us. Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. So stepping into him means you step into a relationship with a heavenly father and brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So stepping into him means we have this oneness with Jesus, a spiritual connection that we didn't have before. Now there's, there's a lot more of those, but they, they describe this this relationship with Jesus that takes up, it consumes every minute of every hour of every day. Giving us purpose, giving us hope for a future forever with him. How do you do it? How do you take the step into Jesus? Well, it's simple actually. You believe in him and receive him in. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, Jesus who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Believing in Jesus' name is believing that he is the son of the living God and that there is by no other name under heaven that man can be saved. Jesus' name means savior. So we're believing him. You know, we're putting all our eggs in the Jesus basket. That's, that's the first step. It's about what he's done, not about what I've done to be accepted and, I, and, and belong. And then uh, receiving him, him into your life is asking him to come in and take up shop. Uh, to become the new owner of your life. You, so you move from being the Lord of your life to him being the Lord of your life. You are now his follower. God is your master. You are the servant. It's a change in relationship. And it, it's a big step. And it's a, it's a difficult step. But it's a life-saving step. And if you haven't taken the step into Jesus and you'd like to know more about that, don't leave today until you talk to me and we'll see about doing it. It'll change your life. Let's have the worship team come back up. So that's the first step. A step in, a together step. I'm sure that you can feel the the challenge of it. We all face it. We all live here. But can you hear the call of it? Can you see the beauty of it? Let's just pray together. And uh, 
ask God to help us take a step in. Heavenly Father, what an incredible picture you have given us of your church in the Word. Uh, It's a, a picture of something that's just beautiful to see. People giving their lives to each other because you gave your life for us. And we pray today, Lord, as we, as we hear the call to step in, to go deeper, that you would help us know what that step looks like for each one of us. We want to live your way. We want to be your people. We want to be bringing you glory in the world. And you show us how your church does that in the Word. And so as we, as we consider taking this step in, call us, Lord. Lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.